In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Thank you. Uh, two things before we enter into the fullness of this celebration. First of all, of course, all the candles that are displayed in front of the altar uh, from All Souls Day. There was the, the litany of 110 or so, plus loved ones from our parish family and our parish community who we commemorated and have lost over this past year. And so these candles are a commemoration, a memorial, a reminder that when we gather for the celebration of liturgy, we always gather those here who are living as well as joining the heavenly liturgy of all those who've gone before us. Secondly, remember, goal of the parish community for engaging and diversity within our liturgical celebrations. We're continuing to learn a few, a few sign language responses. And so far, what we have learned is the sign for amen, the response for amen, right? Just like the amen. And then we've learned the sign for Alleluia. Alleluia. And now we're learning last week and this week the sign for thanks be to God. And I've already taught this incorrectly. So I'm going to correct myself this weekend. As, as they do in sign language, mistake. I make many mistakes, right? Um, we all do as we're learning something new. But the sign for thanks be to God his hand comes to the chin, this is thank you, right? When you say thank you. But since we're saying thanks be to God, we're doing it with two hands, and it's directional. So to God, up towards God. So two hands, thanks, and then God is open hand, and it comes down right in the center. I was teaching it off to the side. It actually comes down right in the center, like right in the center of your nose, right? So ready? Thanks be to God. One more time. Thanks be to God. Okay, one more time. You're going to try to say it and do it at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. Thanks be to God. Wonderful. And so remember, we use that at the conclusion of the first and second reading and then the very conclusion of Mass when we're commissioned to go forth. We get the privilege of gathering together in sacred community, word, and sacrament. Before entering into these sacred mysteries, let us ask God's mercy. Lord Jesus, by your compassion, 
by your death and your resurrection, you have purchased our salvation. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ Jesus, you bring mercy and joy to your people. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you sit at the right hand of the Father. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us of our sin, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, by whose gift your faithful offer you right and praiseworthy service, grant, we pray, that we may hasten without stumbling to receive the things that you have promised. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. As we're preparing to hear God's word, if you were preparing in the Awaken resource, you realize that we're hearing a lot about authority and positions of authority. The Levitical priesthood in the first reading is seen and called upon uh, for their abuses, uh, actually using it for their own gain. Whereas Paul, in the second reading, talks about how his leadership and authority um, and sharing of the gospel was done 
almost like a parent or a loving mother's care. Uh, so it's not for his own good, but for the good of the people uh, that he serves. And we'll hear Jesus address this in the gospel passage from Matthew as well. A reading from the book of the prophet Malachi. A great king am I, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. If you do not listen, if you do not lay it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you, and of your blessing I will make a curse. You have turned aside from the way and have caused many to falter by your instruction. You have made void the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. I, therefore, have made you contemptible and based before all the people, since you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your decisions. Have we not all one Father? Has not the one God created us? Why then do we break faith with one another, violating the covenant of our fathers? The word of the Lord. Thanks. Please join in singing the responsorial psalm, which can be found at number 1182 in the back of the blue hymnal.
A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cares for her children. With such affection for you, we were determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves as well. So dearly beloved had you become to us. You recall, brothers and sisters, our toil and drudgery, working night and day in order not to burden any of you, we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. And for this reason, we too give thanks to God unceasingly that in receiving the word of God from hearing us, you received not a human word, but as it truly is, the word of God, which is now at work in you who believe. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their flackeries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. 
Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. There is a famous quote from Mark Twain that has sometimes manifest in uh, several different ways, but the quote from Mark Twain was, possibly, (laughs) when I was 14 years old, I was surprised at what an idiot my old man was. By the time I reached the age of 21, I was surprised at how much he had grown. Right, And uh, so that, that quote is told multiple different ways. Sometimes it's 14 and 21, sometimes it's 17 and 25, and some people even dispute whether it was actually quoted by him, but it is. Um, and so I, can, I, I, say, I share that quote for multiple reasons. First of all, I can relate. When I was a teen, um, there was a bit of a wild period in my life. Yes, I know, I know, right here I stand before you. Maybe that gives me a little more authenticity for who I am when I stand before you. But my parents were keenly aware of my wildness. And I wouldn't say that I grew up in an extremely strict household, but my parents were very aware and they basically clamped down on me, right? And I thought they were idiots. I was angry, (laughs) you know, I didn't like them for a number of years in my life. And then as I grew older, I grew into gratitude, (laughs) you know. Again, I was amazed at how wise that they were And I realized that not only were they using their position as parents to help me be who I was called to be, they didn't just have positional authority and guidance for me, but they actually had authentic authority because they had my best interest in mind. It wasn't for their good that they were doing it. It took incredible courage for them to step in when I needed them to, and they basically did it for my good, not theirs. Not just positional authority, but authentic and self-giving and loving authority. I hope my parents are watching this on the live stream. (laughs) Thanks, Mom and Dad. 
I don't know if you've been following anything that's been going on in the preparation for and around what has happened with the synod that happened over the last couple of weeks in Rome. Kind of the uh, culmination of what's been happening now for over a year and a half uh, with all the listening sessions that have happened throughout the world. Uh, basically uh, a process where uh, the, the, the Pope and the church has kind of asked us all to listen to each other and to the Spirit of God. And then there was a gathering that happened to kind of discuss all of that input that was happening and all that listening that was happening. And really it's fascinating because if you've kind of listened or paid attention even a little bit to media. I hope you've gone a little bit beyond that. Hopefully I'll help you get a little bit beyond that because basically what happens in the media is they want us to talk about and reflect upon some real issues, some hot button issues, you know, whether it's the LGBTQ community, whether it's women's place and things, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff that we just wanna, want to, want something to either change or not change at all. We have all these hopes about, you know, and fears if, if it's going to change radically the way who we are as church, where it's not going to have any difference at all or make any change. So there's all these things and all this discussion going on around what's been happening with the Synod. But for me, the most interesting thing, and some of the most interesting things that have happened around the Synod is just the process about trying to listen to each other from very different points of view. The 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 prayerfulness around the preparation that is called for as the synod sessions were supposed to happen before they even went in to discuss any issues they all kind of went on a three-day retreat together right and one of the interesting things that I want to talk about and share today was something that I heard about that they uh, learned that was from 60 years ago before they entered into this gathering and discussion of things that were happening in the Synod, before they entered into even that retreat, they went to some pilgrim places within the area of Rome, and one of the pilgrim places they went to was actually the catacombs of St. Sebastian. And when they went into the catacombs of St. Sebastian, each of the participants, the 300 or so participants, 365 participants, were given a pamphlet. And on that pamphlet was something that happened during the Second Vatican Council. And during the Second Vatican Council, uh, there was discussion about poverty throughout the world and poverty that people were experiencing within the church. And there was a group of some of the bishops, and at that time, it was pretty much all bishops. There were some theologians involved, but when it came for gatherings of anything of making decisions, it was bishops, um, cardinals. Uh, some of the bishops started to get together to talk about the struggles in their countries, in their church, about poverty. And they started to come together as kind of a think tank and a prayer tank uh, of people during the gatherings that were happening during the Second Vatican Council, which went on for over a year and a half, two years, three years, right? When they gathered at different times, they would get together and discuss. And by the time the Second Vatican Council finished, this group of bishops that, and cardinals that actually grew to be about 40 made a pact with one another. And in that pact, 
that they made that was actually made in the catacombs. Catacombs are underground burial grounds outside of Rome and, and in the vicinity. They made this pact of one another to try to live the gospel differently. And here's a couple of uh, points from that pact that they made. They were going to try to live a lifestyle materially similar to their parishioners. Living in an ordinary house, not going out for big and expensive meals, trying to take public transit when possible. They would not accept being called by titles like your eminence, Monsignor, which are actually my lord, right? right? They wouldn't take titles like that, but would prefer to be called titles like father in an evangelical sense. Not holding a lot of property or bank accounts themselves. Trusting the financial administration of their diocese to lay people, people who knew better and probably would be less corrupt. <laughs> Avoiding civil and international policies that would permit the poor masses to be poor, and it would permit them to overcome their poverty. They would advocate for that within civil, international policies, and within the church. And being open to all people, regardless of religion. And there was 13 of these pacts. Now, why do I share that with you? This was shared with all the participants before they went in to discuss anything about the Synod, right? What the Synod is trying to do and trying to call us to, I think, is not only to listen to one another and be more open to listening to the Spirit, but what it's trying to call us to do and be is to be a more authentically Christian church. And so this pact from over 60 years ago was resurrected and given to all the participants to think about and to pray about before they went in to talk about anything else for the church, <laughs> right? That, sisters and brothers, is powerful because the church is being called to be not just positional in its authority, but also deeply authentic in its authority. That's not about itself, that is not self-referential, <laughs> but is other-focused and focusing on transformation of the gospel for others and for the world. In the gospel passage we hear proclaimed today, Jesus talks about the scribes and the Pharisees, and he says, they sit on the seats of Moses, they have positions of power, of authority. So listen to what they teach, right? Listen, the positions are important. Not to deny that in any way. The tradition is important. Not to deny that in any way. But don't practice as they do, <laughs> right? They like titles. They like the looks. They like the positions. They like the power. Uh, that, that seems to be the focus more than anything else. Uh, don't be called teacher. Don't be called master, right? There is but one master. There is but one teacher. And so this pact that 
was shared with the synod participants that happened in the power of the Spirit during the Second Vatican Council was a pact to talk about not just a positional church with positional authority, but authentic authority. Sisters and brothers, each of us at some point in time in our lives, and probably even more so, are in positions of authority. We have authority. We have that in our lives. We have that within our families. We have that within our church. We have that within work. We have that within school. We have that in all kinds of ways and manifestations. As members and baptized members of the Christian Catholic community, each of us is given a sense of authority in our very baptism to share in the mission of Jesus Christ. Each of us, anointed by God, priest, prophet, and king, right? Each of us is given a sense of authority by the very call and the very baptism that we have received. The most important question for me, <laughs> for you, as a mom and dad, as a grandparent, as a child, as, as a co-worker, as, a, as somebody working together in a group in, in, in school, the most important question to ask ourselves when we have positions of authority is, is this just positional authority or is it authentic authority? Is this authority for my good? Or is this authority for the good of others? As Paul says, we were like mothers, nursing infants. That's how much we cared and we loved you as we shared the gospel. Our desire was not just to share ourselves and the God, or excuse, not just to share the gospel, but to, fit, to share our very selves with you, right? That's why I believe that my parents grew in such wisdom over a few years, right? Because I realized they were sharing with me not just positional authority, but authentic authority that was not for their own good, but for my good. As we exercise the authority we have by our baptism within our families, within our church, within our work, within our community, within our world, the question we need to ask ourselves is, is this for me or is this really for the good of others and for the kingdom? People of faith, we stand and profess that faith together. I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. 
and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. With prayer and petition and thanksgiving, bringing our needs before our God. Our response is, hear us, O Lord. May the words of Jesus in the gospel today, the greatest among you must be your servant, take root in our hearts. We pray, hear us, O Lord. May Pope Francis continue to speak out and stand for peace amid the turbulence of war and poverty. May we hear his call that Jesus is here for us, and we must likewise be for others. We pray, hear us, O Lord. During this week, as we remember and celebrate the presence of the saints in our lives, may we continue to live out our baptismal call to grow in our faith and holiness. We pray, hear us, O Lord. For all those on our prayer request list in the bulletin, may their pain and suffering be eased as God answers our prayers. We pray, hear us, O Lord. For all the souls of those who have died this year and their loved ones, may they be held in God's loving care and mercy. We remember all the faithful departed who have entered eternal life this week. We pray, hear us, O Lord. We remember today Paul S. Klitschka Sr. and all the intentions present on the altar. May we, uh, may we hold them in the silence of our heart. We pray. Hear us, O Lord. Calling on the loving intercession of our patron and mother, we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of Peace, pray for us. Please join in singing our offertory hymn, number 645, Amazing Grace, number 645. That saved a wretch. Life. 
pray, sisters and brothers, my sacrifice and yours will be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May these sacrificial offerings, O Lord, become for you a pure oblation and for us a holy outpouring of your mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God. In you, we live and move and have our being. In this body, we experience daily the effects of your care and possess even now the pledge of eternal life. For having received the first fruits of the Spirit through whom you raised Jesus from the dead, we hope for an everlasting share in the Paschal mystery. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as in joyful celebration we acclaim. Holy, O Lord, the font of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, sending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed, he entered willingly into his passion. He took bread, said the blessing, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, once more giving thanks, gave it to his disciples, saying, take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death and profess your resurrection until you come again. 
Therefore, we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection. We offer you, Lord, the bread of life, the chalice of salvation, giving thanks you've held us worthy to be in your presence and to minister to you. Humbly, we pray, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church, which is spread throughout the world. Bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, with David, our Bishop, with all of the clergy, all who serve and lead your people. Remember also all of our sisters and brothers who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. And have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, and with all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, that we may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command, formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from all evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be free from sin, safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope, the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord, you said to your apostles, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sin, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, for you live and reign forever and ever. Amen.
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy to my word. Only say the word. Let us pray. May the working of your power, O Lord, increase in us, we pray, so that renewed by these heavenly sacraments, we may be prepared by your gifts for receiving what they promise. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Again, just a reminder, pick up the Awaken resource uh, for next weekend's liturgy. As you leave, they will be distributed by the lectors and the hospitality ministers. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. The blessings of Almighty God be upon you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Mass is ended. Go in peace, teaching the gospel with your lives. Please join in singing our closing hymn, number 742, The Church's One Foundation, number 742. We.